Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Wonderful. Good morning, everybody. I want to start with a true story. My first ever job as a junior doctor was on the island of Jersey. It's a small, beautiful, idyllic island with an aging population. And there was one particular time when I was looking after an elderly gentleman who was dying from a chronic heart condition. He was tired. He was breathless. He was anxious. And beneath the exterior, you could feel his fear of death. As he looked at me for help at a time when modern medicine could not save him and was unable to save him, I looked him in the eye and I nervously said to him, Jesus loves you. I was nervous because I'd only been a Christian for 18 months and I was unsure in whether even saying something like that was ethically correct, whether it was morally unethical or whether it was even overstepping a mark. However, I said it anyway. I was keen to know that he'd heard me and I held his hand and I said, did you hear what I said? And he said, through short breaths, you said Jesus loves me. I left the room and the nurse went in after me and he died a few hours later. Um, I spoke to that nurse afterwards and found out that she was a born-again Christian and that she had reassured him and assured him of Jesus' love for him and prayed with him just before he died. I say it because it illustrates the fragility and the time limit of the human body. And it also highlights our purpose here on earth. I don't know what people's experiences of death are in this room, but I want to point out sensitively that I don't have the answers to premature death or sickness or illness or suffering or any of those things. But I do know that born-again believers who've confessed Jesus as Lord in their life, who die in their bodies on this earth, are going to have an eternal life in heaven with him. We've already heard this morning that if you're ill, it's important to seek prayer. And I want to encourage you that if any of you are sick amongst us in accordance with James, then call upon the elders to come and pray for you and anoint you with oil. That's a command and an instruction of the Lord. And it brings your faith and our faith into alignment with something spiritual and eternal. When you first look at the title of my word today, Healthy Discipline, you may have thought you've come to a seminar on parenting. I I promise you you haven't, but you may find it just as challenging. It's not always something that uh, is spoken of on a Sunday morning. But the theme that I want to talk to you about this morning is that healthy discipline equals fit for mission. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I want to emphasize the importance of respecting and looking after our earthly bodies and the significance of doing that in terms of eternity. Okay, are you with me? Okay, a couple of months ago when I last spoke, we looked at the relationship between the body the soul, and the spirit. 
And we use the scripture to help us illustrate that. And I'm just going to mention that a little bit in, a short, in the next slide. 1 Thessalonians 5, this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. It says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. We can see that Paul infers that we're made up of a body, a soul, and a spirit. And I said that the holistic person, the complete you, is body, soul, and spirit. We're one whole person with distinct elements. We then went on to look at those particular elements in some detail. The next slide. We looked at the body, which is made up of our physical organs, our systems, whether it be blood or cardiovascular, the nervous system, the joints and muscles, the gastrointestinal system, it goes on and on and on. Then we looked at the soul, which is the element of our being, which is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Our mind being how we think, how we reason, how we consider, how we remember. Our will being the choices we make, the morals that we have. And the emotions, which are made up of the feelings that we have, like happiness, sorrow, anger, and compassion. Then we looked at our spirit, which is our innermost being. When we peel back all of the layers in terms of the body and the soul, then we're left with our spirit. We briefly discussed how we looked at when we became a born-again believer and we become a new creation, that it's not our body or our soul made up of our mind, will, and emotions that get saved. It is our spirit. Before, our body and soul were once speaking to a spirit which was dead. Paul tells us that in his letter to the Ephesians. But through repentance and salvation, our spirit, praise God, is made alive. Therefore, as a result of our spirit becoming renewed and restored in Christ, the Holy Spirit in our spirit now speaks to our soul and our body. Our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and our body. We've looked, therefore, at what the Spirit is saying to our mind. And if you haven't heard the podcast, then please listen to it. But today, I want us to look at what our renewed living spirit is saying to our bodies. Okay? So why is that so important? Well, I want to tackle it from two perspectives. Firstly, and most importantly, our bodies are spiritually significant. Okay? Our bodies have spiritual significance. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians 6. We're just going to look at two verses in 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 15 says this. Do you not see and know that your bodies are members of bodily parts of Christ. That's what the scripture says in the Amplified Version. Did you know that our bodies, our physical bodies, are a part of Christ? The Greek word here is melos. And melos literally means, as Ben was talking to us some time ago, a member alongside. 
It's like a limb that's alongside us, our arm or our leg. And it's where we get the word melody from. God was really, really creative and inventive in the beauty of the language he wrote in his book, isn't he? Melos, it's where we get the word melody from, which is the arrangement, perfect arrangement of notes alongside one another to form a melody. Our bodies are a part of Christ. Verse 19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, made his own. So then honour God and bring glory to him in your body. Our bodies are a temple for the Holy Spirit. And because his spirit lives inside of us, our bodies are also vessels for the mission and purpose. And 1 Corinthians 9, you don't need to turn to it because I've got three different versions I want to read out to you and they will be on the slide behind me. The first one comes from the New Living Translation. And it says this, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Next version is the message version. You've all been to the stadium and seen athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. There's no sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. I said this was going to be challenging, didn't I? And the last but not least, is from the Holman version. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away, but we a crown that will never fade away. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly, or box like one beating in the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control, so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Let's just look at some of the language and the words that Paul uses in that particular scripture. Remember, I'm saying it in the context of the fact that we are vessels for mission and purpose. That's what our bodies are for. Disciplined, eternal, purpose in every step. 
training hard, staying alert and in top condition, self-control in everything, bringing it under self-control. Paul knew that we were on a mission, and we are on a mission, for a very finite amount of time on this earth. And we need to train ourselves, not only in reading the word and letting that change us on the inside and change the way that we think, but also in looking after our bodies in order to be a part of that mission that Paul talks about. In fact, the word that Paul uses here, here's a bit of Greek, more Greek for you. If you can say it, that'll be good. It's taken me a while to practice it. Hupopiazzo. 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 I would, it's actually spelled hypopiazzo, but apparently it's pronounced hupopiazzo. And it's a word literally meaning to beat black black and blue until it bruises by discipline through hardships. That's why it was talking about the shadow boxing. That was actually what the word was talking about. Or boxing into thin air and fighting your shadow as a shadow boxer would. It was, a use, it was a word used to describe a boxer who trains and educates his body for a fight. Incidentally, the word is only used one more time in the whole New Testament. And that is in Luke 18, where the persistent widow came to a godless judge and persistently and repeatedly asked him for justice. Eventually, the judge gave in to her and saw that she got justice because she had wearied him. The the word hupopiazzo here literally means she tired him out. She exhausted him. You could say she trained herself for persistence. Maybe that speaks to some of you today about how hard we need to persevere and persist to see breakthrough. But please don't literally bruise yourself. It is a metaphor. (laughs) So our bodies are important spiritually because our bodies are a part of Christ's body, literally a limb. They are a temple for the Holy Spirit and they are vessels for mission and purpose. So secondly... Our bodies have earthly significance. It's not something you hear about much on a Sunday morning. And when I said at the beginning this would be challenging, this is challenging for me, so please bear with me. I want us to look at our bodies in the physical. And obviously that's the science of something that I've studied and trained in for the last 25 years. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, says, To die is gain. And to live is Christ. And I'm always taken back by that phrase because it reminds me of the reason for my existence on this earth. It's for Christ, using the vessels he has given us. And I want to honour him with my body and fulfil every purpose that he has planned for me. I want to live a long life. That's a good thing to say out loud, isn't it? And that is a declaration of faith, by the way. In medicine, we know that lifestyle is a big contributor to lifespan. Yes, I did just say the word lifestyle. You can see where this is going, can't you? We all probably know that an unhealthy lifestyle contributes to high blood pressure, heart disease, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, osteoarthritis, 
many cancers, and lots of other things. And I'm not going to major on this, but I just want to make you aware of some medical facts that were interesting to me in a paper that was published recently. It followed 123,000 people over 30 years. And that's the point I want to make. If we don't look after them, our earthly bodies, they can break. The researchers calculated that if all participants had five healthy lifestyle habits, they could have reduced deaths by 61%. They could have reduced deaths from cancer during the study by up to 52%. That's half. And they could have reduced deaths from cardiovascular disease during the study by 72%. That's nearly three quarters of deaths from cardiovascular causes that could have been prevented. That's quite big, isn't it? Furthermore, if all had five healthy lifestyle habits, the average life expectancy would be 14 years longer for a woman and 12.2 years longer for men. Now, I say those things. They're, they're not just interesting facts, you know, that have been supported in medical journals and things like that. But actually, if you knew what these five healthy habits were, you'd probably be sensible to look at them and see if there's anything you can apply to your own life, right? So what are these healthy lifestyles? Number one, having a healthy diet, a high intake of vegetables. Yes, I said that word, vegetables. <laughs> Fruit, nuts, whole grains, the right fats, the low intake of red and processed meats, sugar-sweetened beverages, salt, etc., etc. Number two is not smoking. Obvious. Number three is being physically active. At least 30 minutes of moderate or vigorous activity every day. 30 minutes of exercise every day. That's a challenge, isn't it? Number four, drinking a moderate amount of alcohol. You'd be surprised how much alcohol affects the body. And that's only between half and two units a day for a woman and a half to three units a day for men. And finally, sounds obvious, not being overweight or obese. And I've put, a, I've put the phrase, the BMI, in there. The BMI is a medical um, phrase and calculation that we use to measure how good a person is in terms of their weight and their height. And if you calculate it, what you do is you take the weight in kilograms and you divide it by their height in meters and square that and divide it. You get a figure which is, you should be between 18 and a half and 24.9. It's quite a lot, isn't it? Are you all taking this on board? I really believe that we have to give an account of how we've looked after our physical body and treated it whilst we're on this earth. We all need to do our bit to help our bodies live longer. And these are some of the things that we can look at and consider in order to do that. Uh, I'm not going to suggest that if you do all five of those things, that that's going to stop you becoming ill. As I said at the beginning, I don't know why that happens. What I do know is that we have the ability to reduce the risk yes. of becoming ill. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Okay. With respect, 
and without condemnation. We are all asked to pray for individuals with conditions which sometimes, I think, need a bit of a lifestyle change rather than a healing or a miracle. With respect and no condemnation. Hear my heart, please. I don't want that to be the reason not to do something. If you have a knee pain and you're overweight and the doctor's told you you've got arthritis in your knee and you're overweight, please lose some weight. Lose the excess weight. If you have type 2 diabetes because you're overweight, then lose some excess weight. I'm saying it politely and I'm saying it professionally and I know that's not easy for a lot of us to be able to do. But I can say that I have personally seen patients benefit by losing excess weight and actually turning a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes into no diabetes. I've seen people who've had a diagnosis of high blood pressure and turn it around to no blood pressure, normal blood pressure. It is something. Yeah, no blood pressure wouldn't be a good thing, would it? That's not looking after your body. You're so picky, you lot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, let's personalise it back to me for a minute. Currently, I do not comply with eating really healthily, being physically active, and my BMI when I started uh, preparing this word was 25.7. Today, it's 26.1. That's even worse. Which means I'm not quite in the obese category yet, but I am in the overweight category. And you know, that's a wake-up call for me, and I've got to do something for it, about it. I'm also very unfit at the moment. And I'm telling you this because I am going to make every effort to train myself to become better at it. I say this because I'm not perfect. I don't think anybody in this room is perfect, are they? No, okay. Not yet, and I want to change. And do you know, I say it publicly because you can hold me accountable to it. So let's try to bring everything together in terms of the spirit having an influence over our body. Last time I spoke about the spirit speaking to our mind, and today it's about the spirit speaking to the body. But you know it happens through the mind, putting our thoughts and our decisions into action. I'm going to take a quick swig. Okay, you've really got to be with me for this one. <laughs> Psychologists describe this as the trans-theoretical model of change. It's a very big word, but you have to bear with me, because although it sounds very medical and very professional, I believe it can help us to apply what we've been talking about to our everyday lives. There are five main changes of stage that are described by two people called Prochaska and Di Clementi. And this goes back to the work that they did in the 1970s and the 1980s. And they described this in the context of people who wanted to quit smoking and people who wanted to lose weight. And the first bottom rung, which I think is the hardest rung to get through to people about, is actually this pre-contemplation stage. It means that people are not ready. They're not intending to change, or they don't want to. 
they're completely unaware of the problem. The second step is contemplation, which is you're no longer not ready, but you're getting ready. People are beginning to recognize that what they're doing is a bit of a problem, and they start to weigh in their mind the pros and the cons about making a bit of a change. Preparation is when people are ready and they are intending to take action in the immediate future. And they, they may begin to take small steps towards behavior change. Fourthly is action. Uh, people have made very specific, obvious modifications in acquiring new healthy behaviors. And finally, maintenance. And this is probably the hardest one, because when people used to come to me in practice and say, I've stopped smoking, doctor, I'd say, that's great, come back in a year and tell me you've still stopped. And I didn't mean it harshly. I'm just saying that the risk of relapse is actually massive, not just for smokers, but for weight loss and everything else, etc., etc. So actually, they say that you need, to, you need to modify that behavior and work through it for at least six months before you can say it's had any difference. So back to me. Ten years ago, I used to train four times a week. I know. <laughs> I used to cycle over 200 miles a week, and I would regularly take part in sportive cycling. I was one of those um, men on a cycle on the road that you see on the way to church. But not on a Sunday. Um, I've, I haven't maintained my behavior, and my body has suffered as a result. It may not look it, but it has suffered as a result. But, you know, God is gracious, and he is ready, and I am ready to make some changes again. All of this applies to obesity, it applies to addiction, it applies to so many other things. So how can we have a better lifestyle and honor our bodies more? I normally start a preach, as you've, if you've heard me before, with um, the scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16 from the J.B. Phillips version of the Bible. I haven't said it yet, but I'm going to use this as the opportunity to say it. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the faith and correcting error, for resetting the direction of a man's life and training him in good living. That's good, isn't it? I didn't make that up. That was definitely Paul in his letter to Timothy, not me. Last year, we had a word to the church, which was about a quantum shift. It was a word um, used for us as a community of people, and it was a word that I also took personally and individually, and hopefully a lot of us did. And I feel I've shifted in my spirit, in my mind, by stirring myself in the word more, by uh, spending more time with him, by praying more. But now I feel it's time for me to make a quantum shift in my body. I'm going to end with an acronym because I know that's a lot to take on board. The first one is A. This is going to be A, B, C, D, E. Okay? Very easy to remember. Ask yourself, could I honor my body better? Do I need to change? What stage of change am I at? Going back to that of the chart. The second one is be bold and courageous. We're looking through the book of Joshua at the moment. This isn't about the book of Joshua, but I do want to use some of the phrases that come out of that book. 
Because being bold and courageous means that you've got no excuses not to change. No excuse. Do you know, I, as, I got a watch last year, which is one of those smart fitness watches, which clearly hasn't done its job in me. <laughs> but <laughs> I got it anyway, because it links with my phone, and that's really smart. But, do you know, I was worshipping this morning, and my, my hand my, started to vibrate, and it was my watch. And I looked at my watch, and it said, keep it up. <laughs> How amazing is that? I know. It then went on to say, dynamic workout. <laughs> I know. I lost. I lost 128 calories this morning. Isn't that amazing? Thank you. Amazing, isn't it? But be bold and courageous in worship, guys. You know, I love to see the children worship. I especially love to see this section over here. You've got four and five-year-olds who dance better than we do, who are more passionate and more liberated and more free in their worship to God than any of us else in this room could ever be. And you know, I really want to honour God with my worship to him. So be bold and courageous, even in our worship. And it'll help you lose calories. <laughs> Call on family. That's C. We are a community of people. Part of being in that community is accountability and helping one another. A scripture I will publicly read over and over again is in Ephesians 4. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love. Oh, hang on. Speak the truth in love. That's really harsh, isn't it? But actually, when you look at it, how does that apply to us as a community, as a body of people? It means that we get alongside people, like Melos, and we say, respectfully, I'm concerned about how much weight you're carrying, and I want to support you in trying to lose some. It means I'm concerned with how much alcohol you're drinking, and I want to get alongside you and help you and support you. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing more in every way, more and more like Christ, who is head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. D, die to bad habits and exercise self-control, especially the biscuits after this meeting. <laughs> I've seen some of you. I know what it's like. I find that a challenge too. I especially find it a challenge having teenagers who eat you out of house and home and don't lose any weight whatsoever. But the food is there, and it's there for a temptation. And I'm saying, exercise self-control. Die to bad habits. And E, evangelize. That's the mission. We need to be fit for the harvest fields. And we need to be fit to go out into the whole world. I think about that in the context of how can we utilize this building more for diet, or exercise classes, who will do that? I challenge 
that's a challenge to me. It should be a challenge to all of us. But I also believe that it isn't just about us. It's about the community that we serve. We're not only sharing a better lifestyle, but we're sharing a life in Christ. So as born-again believers, we're born-again thinkers with an obligation to honour our physical body and glorify the name of Jesus. I think you've heard enough. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.